awesome to be with you guys. My name's Luke. I help lead the family ministry here, and it is just an honor to open God's word with you. It is something that is just a joy that I don't take lightly, because what I know and what some people poured into my life and taught me uh, growing up is that there's three resources, three tools that we've been given to live out our faith, to follow Jesus, and that is his spirit, Holy Spirit comes in when we trust in Jesus and leads and guides and directs our lives. And the second resource that we've been given is his word. What a gift that we've been given, not only the spirit of God, but we've been given the actual words of God. And when Holy Spirit and the word get together, crazy things happen in our life where he changes us from the inside out, where where there's conviction and then there's hope and there's encouragement and we find strength in the midst of trials because the word is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword is what Hebrews tells us. And God does a work through his word and by his Holy Spirit and that is awesome. It is incredible to see just how God changes us with those two tools, but he doesn't leave us there. He gives us a third tool, and that is the people of God. That's you guys. Together, when you look down your row, and when you meet and greet, and when you talk out in the gathering area, and when you have lunch and coffee, and you meet in small groups all over this area, and God is using us to have an impact, to encourage and to sharpen and to build one another up into who God has called us and really created us to be. And all three of those resources are happening right here, right now. So it's a big deal that we get to open God's word, knowing that the Holy Spirit is present right here, right now. And look around the room. God's people are here. And so we know God is about to do a work in us and challenge us and call us to more. And what I mean by more is not better and act better and be better Christians. What I mean by more is more of him. The more we see and get a picture of who God is, we are changed. It's exactly what we just sang about right? I can see you now. I can see the love in your eyes. And when we face true love, love that is unconditional, love that has no boundary, no border, it's good stuff. We are changed because of that. And so it's a joy and an honor to open God's word with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I would highly encourage you to open it up. If you don't have one, there's carts and things around. Grab one of those. It's also going to be on the screen. Uh, But we're going to go to the book of Matthew, the first gospel in the New Testament. And we're going to look at a chapter, chapter 12. And we've been reading this throughout this series called Speak Your Heart. And what we've been finding is... um, well, maybe, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, if that's okay. Is this, is this an okay environment to be honest? Okay, good. Good to know. Uh, thank you for a little verbal feedback. I appreciate that. Uh, what I know is that this series has really actually convicted me in a lot of ways. Because what I'm finding out is that when I speak, it actually shows what's happening inside my heart. And sometimes that ain't so pretty. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that just left my mouth and I'm trying to quickly grab it and shove it back in. Like, what did I just say? I'm so sorry. That was unkind. It was not helpful. That actually hurt. 
And I'm finding that it's because when we're not seeing and savoring the Lord, our heart is quickly prone to wander, as the old hymn says. But I'm finding at the same time, not only am I convicted about my words and the things that come out of the overflow of my heart, and I repent and ask God for strength and forgiveness to walk differently in light of that, what I'm finding too, and I hope you are as well as we walk through this series, is I'm finding boldness and courage and strength to stand out and speak out whenever the Holy Spirit just says, it's go time, say it. And I'm like, I don't know this guy that well. We're just, this is the first time we've sat down for breakfast. I'm not really sure I should say that. And the Holy Spirit just convicts me and just puts it, he's like, say it, say it, say it. And I say whatever I feel like the Lord is saying, and all of a sudden the guy says, huh, you know what? I've been thinking about that. I've been dealing with this, and thank you for speaking truth and encouragement through God's word in that. And so I'm finding boldness in the fact that I don't have to be timid. I need to speak what God has put in me so that he can do a work outside. And I hope many of us in this room that we are in that same place where we're finding oh man, there are things that are out of line with the character of who God has called me and created me to be. At the same time, man, I'm praying for boldness for us as people of Chapel Point and, and more importantly, people of the kingdom of God that we speak truth. We speak the name Jesus and it is on just the tip of our tongue at all times. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Because when we say the name of Jesus, things change because it's what he does. He transforms broken and hurting people as we sang into these vessels these people that carry the glory of God and the message of God's word we get to be a part of his great redemptive story when we open our mouths and we speak our hearts that have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and that is incredible and so we've been learning over the past few weeks that words reveal our heart so they show the, the, the mess-ups, they show the inadequacies, they show that, man, ugh, just not quite there yet, where God wants me. But the other part is it shapes and forms and molds us. It takes and does a building work, a constructive work in us, where the more we say, I was once lost, but now I'm found, guess what? That becomes to shape and form my identity, and out of my identity, I get to walk and follow by the leading of the Holy Spirit and do what God's called me to. So it reveals on one side, then it shapes and molds on the other. The interesting thing about this is, uh, one uh, author was talking, he says, we speak 10,000 to 20,000 words a day. That's a lot. It's more than on my hands right here, so not counting for you guys real quick, but that's a lot. Guess what? That's 10 to 20,000 times you have an opportunity to sin or to speak God's words, truth, to walk in righteousness with your words. Isn't that interesting? It's a lot of chances. Every time we begin to open our mouth, you have a chance to sin or the chance to walk sinless by following Jesus, by speaking your heart. And so we, this morning, we get to respond. We talk a lot about that here at Chapel Point. It's part of our vision statement that, that transformed followers of Jesus Christ, passionately responding. Because every time God speaks to us, it demands a response. And so even in this very room right now, we're about to hear from God, and it's going to demand a response as we open our mouths and follow him. And so we want to respond to who God is, because we know this that words reveal 
our decision to really advance ourselves or to build the kingdom. I'm going to say that again. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down, that words reveal our decision to advance self or to build the kingdom of God. Your words, as you speak them, again, not only reveal, but they are formative and shape. So are you forming and molding and shaping and advancing self? Or are you building the kingdom of God with your words? And that's what we are here this morning to ponder, to ask ourselves, to be honest with ourselves, and respond to that call. Matthew 12, 34 through 37, this has been this anchor verse for us, as I said earlier. Let's read this and just kind of, again, this is our, where are we? This is our honest assessment of ourselves. This is a great way to start out a, a passage. I encourage you as you talk to your in-laws, uh, you can use language like this and then let me know how it goes, okay? Verse 34 says this, you brood of vipers. Let me know how it goes, okay? Just start out with that one next time you guys all get together. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, or some translations say, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. It's a bold statement from the Lord. For by your words you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. So as we walk through this series again, we've seen how God's word reveals our hearts, but it also shapes, it justifies, it shows where we're at and begins to build from there. But he says, how, how can a tree, if it is a bad tree, it's going to bear bad fruit. A good tree is going to bear good fruit because it comes from where the heart is. Where is it rooted? Where is it connected to? And for us this morning, more than anything, I want to ask, where's your treasure? It's out of the treasure of your heart that people will see and hear or not see and hear the good news of Jesus Christ, of what he has done to redeem us. And I love, I mean, how, how powerful is the song that we sang before? And like broken jars of clay. God wants to use us. And my hope and my prayer is, again, that we respond to that. So through this series, we've kind of looked at a few different continuums. If our words do this, this is what it looks like. And then if our words do this, this is what it looks like on this. And so we're going to look at three continuums this morning. And the first one is this, grumbling versus gratitude. Grumbling versus gratitude. If you have your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 15. And it says this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. This grumbling is an interesting thing. And here's what, what I would say about it if you're taking notes. Grumbling brings confusion. It is verbs and language and things that you say that cause things to be unclear, messy, if you will. Where I know it's in there somewhere, but I'm not really seeing what's happening in your heart. 
it's kind of like my kid's toy closet. Uh, there is like games and stuff everywhere, and we love this game called Tinsy. Anybody play Tinsy? It's a little dice game where you try to like match them up and try to race. Yeah, I'm with you, sister. It's good stuff. And you race, but the problem with my Tinsy game is Tinsy's all over that closet. So guess what we don't get to do? We don't get to play it because we're missing the, some of the dice. And I'm like, well, let's play. Ugh, we can't play it because there's confusion. It's a mess all over the place. And so clarity has to be brought to that. When we grumble, the word tells us in Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. The reason Paul encourages the church in Philippi is, is because it causes confusion. It makes a mess of your life. Your words just block everything and people can't see past the words you've put in front of them. It's hard for them to see and understand. It actually comes from this Greek word called gongosmos, and it just sounds like a bunch of noise, gongosmos, as people would talk and use this word. It just sounds like a mess. Like, it's not clear, it's not easy understood. It's almost like, another example would be this. How many of you uh, know the peanuts? Right? Some young people in the room are like, I'm not sure what he's talking about. I like peanuts, they're tasty. Yes, I would agree with that statement as well. But the teacher of the peanuts, classic cartoon in the movies, what would she say? Right? And no one understood what she was doing, and a whole story is happening underneath all that, and all there is is this confusion and unclear words. You and I often can find ourselves grumbling. And what is it? It is just a noise. It's a clatter. It's a mess. It's unclear noise. And why is that? And the reality is when we grumble, it's because we are discontent. We, something has rubbed us wrong. We feel, ah, oh man, somebody's messed with me a little bit, and I, I feel like someone owes me something. I feel like, I don't know, I'm just bothered by something, so I'm just going to grumble. I'm going to use words. I'm going to talk about my coworker. I'm going to complain about my teacher at class. I'm going to talk about my mom and dad or my brothers or sisters. And there's just, I'm just bothered and annoyed, and so this noise begins to come out and creates confusion and messes things up. I've learned something here since we moved to Michigan a few months ago. Uh, if you don't know, I moved from uh, the motherland of Texas. Uh, and it has just been awesome to be in Michigan because it's not hot. <laughs> like, I love me some cool weather. Like, running the AC all the time in my car. But there was this button on my car that I'm, I didn't know what it did. And maybe you guys, I mean, y'all know what it is. It's got the wavy little lines on it. And you press it. And guess what it does? You won't believe this. It defrosts your window. I mean, that is awesome, especially in the snow and the ice, which I know there wasn't much. You're welcome. I brought that from the south for you guys this winter. Um, it defrosts your window where there is confusion and I can't see, and you don't want me driving on ice when I can't see with my Texas plates on. It's just a bad deal. Everyone's honking and like, get out of my way because I'm bothering them, you know? But you press the defrost button, and all of a sudden, all of that is gone, and I can see clearly. So what is that? When we find ourselves grumbling and complaining and frustrated and bothered, here's the button I want you to press. Gratitude. Gratitude. Because the reality is this. Gratitude brings clarity. It brings clarity to your life because your words and your life line up. 
You're not complaining. You're not negative. You're not that person that just like, ah, I really don't want to listen to that guy because he's always so negative and just whines and complains about things. This low murmur, gongus mossing all the time. But gratitude brings clarity. When you press that button in your life, you realize it's not about you. You are not the center of your universe. You are not the person who is at the helm of your life. And we grumble and complain because we try to put ourselves in that seat and in that place. And God's saying, hello? I am at work in your life. When you hit gratitude and you direct people with your words and with your actions towards the living God, guess what? Things make sense. The window is defrosted, and it is clear to move full steam ahead to what God has called and created you to do. Gratitude brings clarity. Philippians 2.13 says it this way, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's not about us. It's not about me. I grumble when I'm bothered, when it's about me. But when I hit the gratitude button and I realize it's God at work in me, things change. My environment changes. The conversations around my dinner table change. When we talk about what God has done, I'm so pumped at what they've been doing on Wednesday night with kids at the point electives where they've just been talking about the names of God and they have this uh, activity where we have to write down some of the names of God. Uh, and Madeline, our daughter, seven-year-old, is just driving the conversation and we're just talking about who God is and what he's done. Changes the environment of our home and our dinner table. And the heart that realizes God's at work says it like this, Psalm chapter nine, verse one. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. My friends, this is a heart of gratitude that says, man, he did this, and you won't believe it, he showed up in this, and I was praying for my friend, and he did that, and the gratitude, it's God, it's God, it's God at work, amen, amen, and forevermore. Because that's what he does. But sometimes we turn inward and we focus on ourselves, and God's saying, hey, wake up. Hit the gratitude button. Show thanks. Your words reveal and shape your heart, and even more so, our words reveal our decision, again, to advance ourselves. Am I going to grumble and make it about me, or am I going to advance and build the kingdom of God? I will recount his works. Another continuum is this, anger versus peace. And the reality is this, grumbling is one thing, it's a low murmur. Anger is, oh man, just went to 11, on this one, like it just got turned up and now I'm angry again because I am bothered and anger does this, it creates division. It creates division. Where grumbling is this low mummer and you don't see things clearly, anger is this, you've gotta be kidding me and we push people away. You have messed with my life. You just cut me off on the road and my hands go up and now I'm frustrated because someone got in my angry because the situation didn't work out the way I wanted it to. I'm angry because this person in my life that I loved and cared for died and that hurt and that is painful. I get it, but we turn our anger towards pushing people away and pushing God the Father away. I'm angry because it's about me. And we get wrapped up that and it creates division. James encourages the church and he says this in James chapter 1 verse 19. Know this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person 
Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man, when we get so wrapped up in ourselves and bothered, and you just feel that rage at the depth of who you are, and every muscle tightens, ask yourself, what is this about to produce? When my words go forward, when I speak them, what is about to be the outcome? And when we, the anger of man, it's going to produce hurt and division and sin because our hearts are not where they need to be. They become arrows. So grumbling is one thing, we're just talks, but anger, our words become like arrows that we just launch and launch and launch. And where it was unclear, oh, it's very clear and hurtful and painful. So this morning, some of us actually need to repent and say I'm sorry to our spouse to our children, to that coworker. Man, I said this thing out of anger and frustration, and I'm sorry. That right there, my friends, is a miracle because it's God at work in you because you're realizing it's not about you. It's God at work, and that's beautiful. It actually reminds me of one of my favorite movies from Disney and Pixar, Inside Out. Has anybody seen this one? Just quick around the room. Okay, a few of you. If you haven't seen it, You're welcome. Enjoy that for your spring break movie time, Inside Out. It's this great movie talking about how this little girl deals with emotions and goes through this challenge and everything. But one of my favorite scenes, and I know, I know it's happened in your home. I just know it. Mom and dad are sitting at the table. The little girl is frustrated. She just moved to this new city, and she gets, uh, some of you got that, you know, young junior high and, and teenage person in your house. You might be able to sympathize and identify with this. She starts getting a little mouthy with mom, and mom's trying to do, like, the good mom thing and engage. And how's it going, honey? You doing all right? How's school? You making friends kind of thing? And the dad is kind of just listening, but not really. He's just eating his spaghetti or whatever. And then the, all of a sudden, it begins to escalate. And the mom's like, <clears throat> excuse me, honey, and gets the dad's attention. And so then the daughter and the dad begin to have a conversation and that conversation moves from grumbling to anger and all of a sudden the daughter says something and then dad's like oh no she didn't and he comes up and ones up her with a little bit more force in her tone and a little bit honey you can't talk to us that way kind of stuff and it just continues to escalate because that's what anger does it becomes a battlefield of arrows being launched with our words and all of a sudden it goes like Sean Connery, that sub-movie Hunt for Red October. DEFCON 2 is what they call in their head, and all the characters start to get ready, and they say, prepare the foot, and the people begin to uh, like turn the keys like they're about to like go to war with their daughter. And then he says, that's it, and go to your room. And that's like the big hammer, like the kind of straw that broke the camel's back. And he sends her to her room. Because anger creates division. It separates, it pushes away whenever God intended for us to work and walk through life in community together. In fact, the flip side of that continuum is anger is peace. Peace creates community if you're taking notes. And I love it. The very words of Jesus say this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Notice that language there. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who seek with their words and actions to bring people together, to make peace. For they shall be called sons of God. Family language. They will be called family, brought together, drawn close. They will be called sons of God. They are 
family. Notice that language. Peace brings community. And in fact, it says it like this in James 3.18. And a harvest of righteousness, meaning people, a movement of God where people get right with the Lord and God begins to change them. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I love it. We live in the salad bowl of Michigan. Uh, for those of you in the Hudsonville area, that was an interesting sign to drive into on our first uh, time here. Like, all right, salad bowl. I love salad. Give me some honey mustard and let's go. Um, pull in, and man, there's fields. Man, they're turning up the soil right now because they're about to plant so that there can be a harvest, so that there can be things that are meant to be enjoyed by other people, drawing people together around a table. And God is doing that. The harvest is going to be people, a movement of God in right relationship with God because it is sown by people who speak peace. They speak their hearts because of what God has done in them and through them. Our words reveal our decision to, again, advance ourselves or to build the kingdom of God. Are you in anger just speaking and trying to be right and to get it all figured out and say, I've got to have this figure it out. I mean, it's my way or the highway kind of language when we get angry. Or am I going to let it go and build peace that creates community in my home and in my friendships and in the places I work and everywhere I go? Am I seeking to build those bridges to draw in people through the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because that's what he does. And he chooses to use people like you and me, broken vessels. Last continuum we want to look at is wickedness versus righteousness. The reality is this, that wickedness ends on itself. And we, we've seen that through all three of these uh, continuums, is that one is all about self. I'm grumbling because I'm bothered, and so I'm just going to just spew just these words that just cause a mess all around me. Anger, it's all about me because someone got in my way and has frustrated me to this point where I'm now pushing them away because I don't want to deal with it. I just want it gone. I'm angry, and I don't want anything to do with it. Or are you using words that are wicked because the reality is they end on self. It's all about you. Ephesians 5, 4 says this. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Notice again that it goes back to thanksgiving. The reality is this. Wicked speech is like mortar. Our lives, brick and mortar, brick and mortar, that's how it goes, right? When, when you speak crude jokes and filthiness and wicked speech, when it just comes out, what it does is it erodes the mortar of your life. So that when you go through trials and when you go through uh, struggles and when you have hard conversations or someone just asks you a question off the cuff at work and you just say something sarcastic and negative or whatever it may be, it's eroding a little bit and like, I thought that guy... Or girl, I thought they followed Jesus. I thought they say they believed something, but it's not matching up. It's eroding your life so that when you speak, you have no weight and you have no value. We were talking about this at our uh, point group the other day. Is man, talk is cheap and it is everywhere. But for some reason, God still uses it in a powerful way and it still has weight and it still has impact. But people just sling it around like it means nothing. And it does a whole lot of damage in the wake of that. 
So we have to consider our words. Are they wicked? Are they about ourselves to make the joke so people laugh and we feel good about ourselves? Or is it uh, that we're going to say something just to bring other people down to elevate ourselves? Even consciously or unconsciously, those are the things that are happening because it's about us when we speak wicked things. That's a strong word for it, but it's really what it is because it is apart from God. Or we can speak righteousness. We can be used, our words can be used by God. Romans 6, 12 through 14 says it this way. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members, and in this case our tongue, our words, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Don't give it an opportunity. Don't do it, is what the word says. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought to death from life. Again, understanding who we are and what God has done. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, amen, since you are not under the law, but grace. So my friends, hear today that there is an option. There is a choice to respond to this morning to speak and offer our mouths our, as instruments for sin and unrighteousness, or we have the option and the, responsibility, the time to respond to speak righteousness, truth, and love, and encouragement, and grace. That's, a, that's awesome. We have an option. And the cool thing is, for us as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not under law, but we are under grace, meaning he is with us. Holy Spirit is with us, helping and giving us strength and leading us. Again, our words reveal our decision to advance ourselves or to build the kingdom. That's just, that's the facts. That's the reality where we're at. And so what does this look like? I want us to just briefly, as as we begin to wrap up, you hear things like that and and you may think, I just got to be better. I got to do more. I got to watch my mouth, you know, set an example. Yay, go me. Right there, my friends, I want us to be careful because it is not by our own strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So I want us to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as the Bible tells us, who lived and understood he is so unique. He is fully God, is what the Bible tells us, and he is fully man. And he lived the life we couldn't and gave us the life we didn't deserve. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't grumble, but in everything, he showed people God. He pointed them always at God the Father. It says in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Jesus didn't grumble, even in the face of death. Even in the face of death, he took our sins on him, and he had every opportunity to, to grumble and say, for real, God, these people, you got to be kidding me. I know Luke Bilberry, and that's a hot mess right there. Like, are you sure about that? He had every opportunity to do it, but silently he walked to the cross and took my sins on himself. And he did that for you. He did that for the people outside that you're going to encounter as you go to lunch and as you spend your spring break wherever you go. He did it for them. Silently, he didn't grumble, but he pointed and showed people God, giving thanks in every circumstances. In fact, I love it that every time we come to the communion table, it says he blessed the bread and the cup, and he broke it, giving thanks 
to God the Father, which is a picture of his life. God, I thank you. I thank you that I get to break my body and I, my blood gets to be shed for them. Jesus had every right to be angry because he was receiving that attack. But Jesus, the only time that we know of his anger is when it's keeping people away. And at the time he walked into Jerusalem, he saw people being abused as they were coming to worship. And he turned over the tables is what the story tells us in anger. But why did he do that? Not because it was about him, but because there was something in the way between people meeting with God. And my friends this morning, we get to be the mouthpiece to say there is nothing in the way. There is nothing in the way from you meeting with God. I'm telling you this for you now and you get to use your words later for those around you. God wants to use your words to break down divisions, but to create community through peace. We get to be the peacemakers of God because he is here and he is alive and he is at work. That's incredible. And so here this morning, if you're going to get angry, get angry because people aren't able to meet with God. It's all about advancing the kingdom and reaching those who are far from God. It's not about you. It's not about me and every time jesus opened his mouth he extended grace that came from his relationship his right standing his righteousness with god and so this morning as we wrap up i want to read a scripture and just leave us with one thought ephesians four twenty nine. let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as good for building up as is fit for this occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. This is what Jesus did. He built up the kingdom of God. And for those of you guys who don't see this on, on the stage here, I built something. I built a seesaw. You can hire me later to build one at your kid's house. You're welcome. Uh, cinder block and a piece of wood. Just kidding, don't do that. It's not good for your kids. But you and I, every time we open our mouths, we stand right here in the middle of the seesaw and we get to reveal as we speak our decision to advance ourselves or to build the kingdom. To advance ourselves or to build the kingdom. Are you going to speak and grumble and complain and just, just, just really spew stuff that is unhelpful and makes a mess? Or... Are you going to speak thanksgiving about who God is and what he's done and the good things he's doing in your life and in your marriage and in your home and at your school and wherever you go? Are you going to speak anger and shoot arrows at those around you that hurt and sting and they stay a long time? Or are you going to speak peace? There's no peace apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. That is for you, and that's for everyone that you speak with the rest of this week. Are you gonna speak wickedness and stuff that is just unbecoming of believers? Or are you gonna speak righteousness? We stand forgiven by the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have nothing to offer, no words to say to convince him, but God in his mercy and his love and his joy pours out grace upon grace upon grace upon grace for you 
and I. Because he wanted to. And he speaks truth and life and love through his word and through the Holy Spirit and through the brothers and sisters of the church. And so for us, my friends, it is time to respond. And I invite you in this time as we sing, examine your heart. Ask the Lord to examine your mind to convict you where your words fall astray and to empower and give you boldness where you know the truth of God's word is. So God, I just thank you so much for your word that is true and strong and powerful. God, it is alive. And right now you're doing a work in, in our hearts. You're calling to us to come out of the sin, to walk in the forgiveness, to come out of the guilt, to walk in the freedom of your grace. And so God, I thank you so much that you are real and that we get to meet with you, God, and we get to follow you. So God, would you do a work in us, God, through our words, but that is just the tip of it. God, do a work in our heart so that you are made known in God and you do a work here in West Michigan through us because we speak your truth, your gospel of what you have done through Jesus Christ to redeem a broken and hurting people. So God, do a work here and now as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray.